0: So the questions for me were really a playful way of, of questioning what we're believing, because it's that mindset. And I know you speak to the mindset as well in the book, is what are we telling ourselves about how, how success plays out, whether it's in, in business, in a private sector, in a public sector, but what's the programming we have around success and you know, and, and really about about um, being, being, I want to say, well, I think successful is the best word, just feeling success at anything big or small. What's, what's the programming around that?
1: Hey, Construction Nation. Welcome to Lead with Trust. I'm Sue Dyer, and I've been on a three-decade journey to figure out how to make sure our construction projects succeed and produce some extraordinary results. My trusted leader journey has led me to work on over 4,000 construction projects worth over $180 billion. In this podcast, I'm here to teach you everything I've learned. One thing I know is that it starts with the leaders of the businesses and organizations that come together to build a project. If that's you, let's get going. Hi, this is Sue Dyer. And in this episode, I interviewed Alison Tabor, who is one of my favorite people. She is the founder of Copia Advisory and also the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Work Your Assets Off. Stop Working So Hard in Business and in Life. And she is just a really wonderful person who has a great deal of experience in running a uh, engineering firm and also in facilitating with many, many groups over the last uh, decade. And I think in this episode, what you're gonna really enjoy is uh, really four things I think that are you ought to listen up for. The first one is she talks about connecting. And really, I think the foundation of her work is really helping people and teams, leaders connect more. And she does this by using the DISC personality style. It's one of her favorite tools, Uh, but also she talked about ways that we really need to create connection now, particularly with the hybrid way that we're working together or people are not working together as much as they were face-to-face. And how do you do that? And is it worth it? She will talk about that a bit. Uh, she talks about the, how important alignment is and uh, bringing together really uh, your self along with others in alignment. And that when we come together, we really uh, just bring ourselves there along with all of our belief systems. And a lot of times we don't even realize we're not aligned and that how important that is to achieve that. Uh, She also shares three of the truth and lies that are outlined in her book, which I think you're going to really enjoy. And at the end, I really loved the advice she gave for all of us to uh, really increase the connection uh, this week in our business. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Listen up. Well, welcome to Lead With Trust. And I'm so happy today to have one of my favorite people around. Uh, it's Alison is here today. Welcome, hey, hey. Allison.
0: Thanks, Sue. Super fun and exciting to be with you today.
1: Thank you. It's so great to see you. And I can't wait to have everyone learn more about your best-selling book, Work Your Assets Off. So we're going to chat about that today and, uh, and just learn. Allison works a lot with women's groups, uh, but really with lots of businesses. And, uh, and we'll go into her, her uh, experiences as we ask these questions. But I always ask everyone this crazy first question. What group did you hang out with in high school?
0: (laughs) A subgroup. I wasn't with the mainstream in high school. I went to a vocational high school where there was a nursing program. So I was one of those where everyone else was wearing their, their denim jackets with their cool rock and roll bands on the back of their jackets, I was wearing one of those little nursing bonnets. <laughs> so we were definitely a subgroup, which was exciting uh, and, uh, and also a little bit outlying, right? So it was you, I was certainly within a little, within a subgroup that was very special and respected. And at the same time, that sort of set me out from the mainstream group.
1: Well, and, and how do you, it seems like that's still how you are today.
0: Uh, yeah, isn't that funny? You, you do <laughs> see some, some, some commonalities there, right? Isn't that funny? That's
1: so great. So um, I know that you uh, that you worked on this book. It's been based on, you know, years and decades of your, your work is running a business, but also, in helping others lead their business. So can you give us a little overview on, on how we can work our assets off to succeed?
0: How you can work your assets off to succeed. You know, it's interesting, Sue, I I was, as I was reading your book, I kept thinking like, yes, yes. And I was like having these moments that I was, I was dog earing pages. And I saw a lot of connections between some of the things that you were you were sharing and the things that I shared in my book and in particular one of them the word that just pops up that I think ties to some of the key principles and shared that I shared in my book and those in yours is the word alignment so you know alignment you know you talk about alignment in order to you know to to be trusted leaders, align their, their teams and then they're not bifurcated into their own, you know, areas of, of agenda, but they're all rowing towards this common outcome. And I I find that alignment is when you're aligned not only you know with the group, but starting with yourself, when you're aligned to are you are you the person who's enjoying being in that role and you're actually aligned to what your strengths are, so working your assets off essentially is is being great at being you and allowing others to be great at being them and not trying to be all things for all people and expecting to be successful at the things that you don't like or that you are not particularly good at.
1: Well, that's a good message. That's a good message for me too. (laughs) So I know that your book poses seven questions that helps you determine and understand your true assets. And I think that especially for entrepreneurs, that's sometimes really hard for us to see Uh, and and maybe any leader because you're so either entrenched in what you do day to day, or it's such an extension of yourself that you don't see it. So help us understand what are these questions and how can we use them? Well,
0: there's a lot of, there are a lot of norms that people have, we like and we actually we've had a conversation about this before there's this programming outside people think that this goes like this and that goes like that and somehow we're supposed to join this belief system so the questions are really to help you to readdress the belief system that you have with some of these key principles. Like for example, working hard, you know, a lot of us, a lot of us could, it could be conditioning based on maybe when we were born or who we were around where it was this work ethic and intended to be this, this guiding principle of, you know, things don't just come easy. You must work towards it. And so of course, I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't apply yourself or or that everything is effortless, but everything can be, Done with less effort if you're aligned and so that was so the questions for me were really a playful way of of questioning what we're believing because it's that mindset and i know you speak to the mindset as well in the book is what are we telling ourselves about how how success plays out whether it's in in business in a private sector in a public sector but what's the programming we have around success and you know and, and really about about um being, being, I want to say, well, I think successful is the best word is feeling success at anything big or small. What's, what's the programming around that?
1: I think success is such an interesting concept or word because uh, you get to determine what it is. But as you're saying, I think that uh, it's just like when people get married and they have these tapes in their heads about what marriage is supposed to be. And then they realize we don't have the same tapes and they get all this conflict going on. So I think success is like that too. You know, you'll have the idea of what success is, and then maybe your people have a different idea of what success is. And maybe your customers have a different idea of what success is, and somehow they have to get aligned. Yes. I, I think so.
0: I don't know that it's necessarily a conscious thing. I think people are just doing what they're doing. And it's almost like we're sleepwalking. And then it's like, oh, there's a, like a wake up call, something wakes us up. And then perhaps we're more aware, and we're more intentional about what we do. So the idea is to sort of just stepping back and being a little more conscious around what it is we're doing. And, and I think success, and we all know success leaves clues. So it's a way to just pause and look at what those are and what, it, what's there for us and for our team. It's all of us.
1: So in your, in your questions that you posed in your book, uh, can you walk us through a couple of those? Sure. So let's see in the book, there's
0: there's what I would call it's, it's truth and lies is how I've presented it. Right. So I, I, I tried to demyth these, these concepts that I think that some of us may fall, you know, fall, you know, uh, into that trap. So it's, so I suggest these different lies and the different truths. So some of them are, for example, um, working your assets off, not working hard leads to success, right? That's the truth. So what's the, what's the, the lie for that is that to anywhere, you know, to get anywhere in life, you have to, you have to work hard. Right. And so you don't really have to do that. Another one is, is to so let's see, we'll find um, oh the focus. I love the word. I have a little play on the word F and I say the F word is bad. In this case, the F word is good, but this is the focus word. And I know you speak to focus quite a bit as well. And I think that's critically important. And I don't know how many you want me to share, but I'll give you another one. This is, this is a really big one for me. I love this one, which is a lie is that you should treat others the way you want to be treated. And it was a very well-intended virtue of saying, yes, we, of course, we all wanna be treated with respect, so treat people respectfully. We all wanna treat people with kindness, so treat people kindly. What I what the truth is that replaces that is that people wanna be treated how they want to be treated, not the way you want to be treated. So it's the platinum rule versus the golden rule. And I'm a, I'm a very big believer in that. I do think that a lot of miscommunication which certainly can can uh you know erode trust, I think is oftentimes because we're going, we're going around treating people you know in the way that we want to be treated and in this one size fits all fashion, which I know you're very well aware, is just ineffective.
1: Yeah, it's true. People don't like to be treated other than how they want to be, but it's sometimes there's a little mysterious on what that is. So. Probing questions work pretty well, I guess. So I know that you work with a lot of founders and uh, and and business leaders, and many of them, especially nowadays, are feeling a bit overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're and they're not getting the results or the success that they want. Uh, what would you say to them? How would how would you help them? Uh, begin to turn that around and begin to feel more like they could achieve the things that they want?
0: Well, I think connection, con- I think that's the magic word is connecting, connecting with their team members. And I don't mean just on a project level where let's talk about what we have on the, on the table and what we're doing, but connecting with each, each other as, as human beings and part of the working team. I, th- I think that with this entire situation with pandemic, some some were working remotely perhaps but that's the minority most were working either in person or some hybrid model of some type and i think what's happened now is they're they're in this place where there's a there's a need to find new ways of connecting with each other even if you're in in various locations all over the world how do you come together as humans and to connect. I think that there, there's a source of, of energy that they can reinvigorate themselves when they're they're pausing to, to actually spend time with each other. And I don't I don't mean that they have to get together and spend a half a day, you know, even if it's just for a few minutes to kick off the week and maybe a you know a few minutes to end the week, you know, having a huddle, having as as human beings and not just project machines. I think that that is a really great way to energize when you actually bring your team together, and you're connecting with your team on a a humanistic side, not just a project-based side.
1: Hope you're enjoying this show. Every time you and your team step foot onto a construction project, you bring your business culture with you. For any construction project to succeed, there must be a high trust culture. It doesn't matter if you're in planning, design, construction, or startup phases. The more trust you bring and build, the better your results. I've created a free resource for you the Trusted Leader Profile, so you can know exactly the level of trust you bring to your business and projects and what you can do to boost trust. You can grab that at sudicocom slash profile. That's S-U-D-Y-C-O.com slash profile, P-R-O-F-I-L-E. And I hope that you'll remember that always high trust equals high performance, and it really depends on you. Now back to the show. Have you worked with anyone where you actually saw they weren't doing that and they started doing it and, and they reported there was really a difference for them? Absolutely. I, I see some people have this mindset
0: and I guess this goes to the working hard mindset work, work, versus working your assets off is they felt like, oh no, we have time and time is money and we have to be billable and we can't pause for a minute because you know if we're, if, we're, if we're all on a phone call for a half hour, all right, let's take the team and multiply that by 30 minutes. How much is that costing me? And that's the old way of calculating ROI. The new way of ROI is how connected, you know, are we to each other? How productive are we because we're engaged and we're feeling, you know, motivated and we're committed to you know, to ourselves and each other? So I think there's a shift, and they're realizing that now because there's there's a there's a real challenge, as I'm sure you and all the listeners are aware that there it's a hard environment to find top talent and talent is being whisked away from us so if we're not cultivating a an environment that's engaging and gratifying for our team members they are ripe for the picking so that someone else will come by and say hey we're you know we're a very engaged group this is what we do this is what how we not only it's not only the what we do in our work but this is how we how we collaborate and how we connect with each other that's going to be very attractive to, to any team member that's not getting that, that at this time.
1: How would, a, how would a leader know whether or not they have it? You know, I, I just think a lot of leaders just assume they have it mm-hmm. uh, until people leave. <laughs> how can they maybe have insights that they don't normally have?
0: Yeah, that's that's actually you know it's a really a good point too because a lot of leaders are I sometimes well-intended but they're they're delusional. They think everything is great. I, you know it's like oh my team loves me and things are great. Well, that's because it's like things are great, right, Susie? Right, Bobby? You love working here, right, Susie? Right? So, oh yes, oh yes, I love that. So they're giving they're getting the yes ma'am, yes sir type of an answer. And it's not, it's disingenuous, right? So how do you get to the real core is it's not just asking, it's, it's, it's testing the theory in in lots of ways, what's going on, what are the signs and symptoms? And, and certainly you, you could do everything from a formal survey where you're actually assessing what, what the culture is, but the culture speaks to us. It's not just what we say, it's, it's how people are behaving. And again, that's another word I know you use in your book about behavior, and I'm really big on. How do we affect behavior in, in ourselves and our team that aligns with what we say matters? So looking at the signs of what's the behavior I'm observing within my, within my organization is, is it consistent with what you know what we say we stand for?
1: Yeah. And is what we stand for really gonna keep your people there? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's yes, that's both. It's a yes and.
1: <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Cause I think I saw in McKinsey, there was a research, I think it was like 88% of all employees right now are looking for a new job.
0: Mm, I know it's so that, that is
1: a lot. And I know that you know, when somebody leaves, you just don't hire somebody and have them be high performing. I mean, it takes you months to years to get them up to speed. So, so it, it's, it's not a simple answer. Um, where would founders start if they wanted to take steps and actions that made them feel successful as a part of their team? So they, they're, they're looking at the values. They've started like a morning get-together. What else could they do once they've done that to really maybe get it, get it moving in a more meaningful way?
0: Mm. Well, personally, I have a bias on the communication side. I, I love stepping back before you go into the, all the what they're doing and who's on what team and how that's working. I like to come all the way to, all the way back to the level of what's our communication styles and, and understanding each other. So that speaks to, again, going back to not wanting to be treated the way others want to be treated. So one of the ways that I find most powerful to understand your team members as a leader and for them to understand each other and to be motivated and, and and really collaborating more, you know, with more meaningfully is to go go back to what's our communication styles. And I personally I, I like the disk tool. That's I have a bias towards that. I've been using it for years and I love it. But I do right? too. <laughs> so any tool that helps us to, to really pay closer and, and more meaningful attention to what matters. I think is, is smart. I, so in the in the realm of that, I would say, for example, when you know your communication style and that of others, it allows you to interact you know, in a more effective way. And then you start to realize, okay, this person loves lots and lots of information. They want to consume information. Well, if you put them in a role where they're not going to have the opportunity to digest and absorb and analyze information. And they're constantly having to pivot and turn and and make fast decisions. Can they do it? Sure. Is it going to stress them? Absolutely. Is it going to start to chip away at their sense of feeling gratified in their role? Yes. So I think that goes back to alignment. So it's communication and alignment. So if you understand your your styles on your team, and their interests. So it's their, it's their not only their skills and their ability or what you need of them. It's how do you align what you need, you know, with the people on your team that have that skill, that interest, and the communication style that most, you know, will be most beneficial mutually. So everyone is energized. So that's one way I, I think is aligning your team to to those things and not trying to, to put squares in cer- you know, in circles and circles and squares, which Sometimes we do, we have a need, we have a warm body, let's fill it. And
1: I I really, really, really believe in the DISC model. I had the opportunity to work with the people who created it in the University of Minnesota in the eighties. And uh, uh, we use it all the time, every day, but we use it in a nonprofit that I started that goes, does every, uh, it does same day mediation in the courts. And, uh, what we we tell them, we teach the mediators that, uh, what they're saying is the issue is never the issue. And what we find most of the time is that the issue is really around personality conflict. You know, this either communication style, behavioral style can be personality, whatever we want to call it. Uh, it's really around that. And then they make up the issues that justify the conflict. And so until you can go to the core of what the real conflict is, <laughs> you, you don't resolve. Uh, I um, can so, see that. And that's, <laughs> and that's an interesting other thing that I, we've used it a lot for, especially in uh, senior management, is mapping out the roles, uh, the styles of all the different people on the team so that you end up with people of all styles that diversity of styles is where you really get that dynamic tension that creates for really extraordinary. And I think so maybe for some leaders uh, and you are losing some people using the disc style uh, could help you actually create a very high performing team. uh, And uh, I think that could be an opportunity. I mean, while it is a loss, it could also be an opportunity. Yes, and, and I've, seen, I've seen patterns of that, which is so
0: interesting. Sometimes when, I, when I'm looking at the group report where everybody is plotted on one master to see where we all fit within a team, oftentimes the leaders that are complaining about how exhausted they are or where they're having some real challenges on the team uh, or they're having challenges with the team. It's interesting how they would say my team. It's like the problem is my team, my team, my team. And then we look at the report and we go, hmm, interesting, You know, there's the leader on an island all by him or herself. And then everyone else is in this cluster. And then you realize this is where the, this is where the distress is coming in. The tension is coming in because the leader might be hiring people or surrounding him or herself with people that may be, you know, someone that perhaps they're, they're accomplishing one thing for them, but they're. Maybe the yes person, the yes, I can help you with that. Yes, I'm here to support you. Like I, I just had two recently where they were both in this like driver driver quadrant, and they surrounded themselves with all these supporters. Well, that's great. You want people to support you, and you need like you would say healthy conflict. You need to have people who are who would feel comfortable saying whoa, um, there's wait, wait, wait. There's one more thing to consider here or have we looked at this as well or have we looked at it this way? Well, the particular style he surrounded in this case is that I'm thinking of this example, he surrounded himself with a, with a bunch of team members that are so supportive and so compliant that no one is really offering up any new ideas, because that would be considered challenging of his, of him and his style. And so he's exhausted and they're sort of going along with the program and not offering anything that's creative. And he's looking towards his exit. And when he exits, the challenge is going to be, he's going to be left with a huge gap.
1: Yeah, there's no there. Yeah, absolutely. Cause it's not a high performing team. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, one of the things I know we've talked about when um, we go into a high conflict situation and, uh, you know, I, the partnering approach is you really care com- 100% about your own interest, but you also care 100% in- about the other people's interests. But there's also another quadrant where it's going along to get along. Mm. And that, that is, is always perfect. a kiss
0: of death. That is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I know there's a lot. And these, this, these are highly intelligent people. So this is not about not being you know being smart because you can be super smart and do things that are not necessarily you know aligned towards group success and and fostering trust so this this is a group of attorneys these are highly specialized attorneys and so this is not a group of inexperienced or unskilled professionals so as smart as they are they're they're not self-aware as to what's been happening with their dynamic with their team dynamic at all
1: I've worked with some uh, attorney firms, law firms, yes, that's it, usually the dynamic is challenging, uh, partly because of what they do, partly because of who they attract. <laughs> the styles, you know the, the work work has different styles. and the styles make it more of a and also the way they're structured, mm-hmm. where they're more individual contributors as opposed to group contributors. So that makes it, that makes it challenging too. So I know that you've worked with, you know, just dozens and dozens of people, hundreds of people over the years and run your own business, uh, structural engineering business. And so what has been your trust uh, experience with people that stands out in your mind where maybe you had high trust in what happened and where maybe where you had low trust in what happened?
0: Hmm. You know, interesting. If I were to look over the course of my my entire career, I can't say that it was all one or another. I think situations, there've been times in my career and in my life where trust was super high and when it wasn't, and I could say that it always felt better when the trust was high, that I could say. So when, when trust was high, that whether I was fostering trust or I was feeling trusting of others, which whether, wherever I was on on that spectrum life and business is better when, when trust is present. That's pretty clear.
1: Yeah. Well, that's for sure. You know, communication can happen and you can actually make decisions and, and execute pretty hard to do when there's a lot of distrust. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where I, where I, there's an example I think of. So in, in my previous, you know, when I, when I was really focused on the engineering business, when I was growing the engineering business, we worked with developers and architects, and you had all these stakeholders that were involved. And everyone was out for, <laughs> you know, they were they were advocating for their for their outcome and for their priorities. And what I really saw where the trust came in is when they all gathered around a table where there was like a design review, where instead of going back and forth, whether it's an email or or sending drawings. And what I really saw, even though I wasn't on the technical side, I ran the business, my husband and I worked together, he was all things technical. And we would come together for certain interactions and certain meetings. And I would, I would always be just in awe when the process worked where everyone was around the table and everyone had equal voice so the architect was able to share and the landscape architect the lighting design contractor it didn't matter who it was and sometimes it was the it was the person that you least suspected was going to have the most profound idea and the most impactful suggestion that's what i i seem i remember when i think of high trust is when you have your trusted professionals all around the table at the same time, so you eliminate this wasteful back and forth. And that to me was like a symphony of strengths. I loved that. And that that's something that stood out as opposed to this sort of, um, he said, she said, I sent you this. You said, oh, no, we can't do it that way. And then it's, it becomes more adversarial almost. And, and maybe sometimes not almost. Sometimes it is adversarial. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's, I, I'd say, I, I love it when everyone can come together and share. And I've seen some pretty profound uh, results when 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 those situations were were you know, present.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. That's really why I have loved what I've done for all these years because it's giving a forum for that to happen. And uh, and then you know, usually I just trust completely that the group will co-create things that are just extraordinary, and they come up with ideas and. Because they co-created them, they own them, and then they fully execute them. It's, it's, just, uh, it's just phenomenal. It's my, my favorite thing. That's your happy place, I know.
0: And, you, and you do it well, no doubt. It, it is, it <laughs> is.
1: So how can people
0: find you? Well, they could find me at a couple places. So www.copiaadvisory.com. Uh, they could find my book it's on amazon so they can get work your assets off stop working so hard in business and life there and uh, and actually there's a website for work your assets off as well for for those that are interested in perhaps uh, an invitation to to present you know come in as a to as a speaker or a workshop leader on work your assets off that's also out there
1: so work your assets off.com. So what is some parting advice? I know you have you are one of the smartest people I know. Tell give us some some advice on how we can be successful this week. Oh my gosh, this
0: week. All right. So if I would say for this week is I would say this power in the pause. I would say pause and observe. And I, I it doesn't matter whether you're high energy or low energy. We all have an opportunity to just pause. And notice the affect that we're, we're having on people with our approach. Become more aware. So, are you being too much of this or not enough of that? So, be. So, I would say, pause, observe, and just really pay attention to the affect that you can have with it, you know, as you're interacting with another person. Sometimes we're just we're just on autopilot. It's like let's let's wake up this week and let's just observe how how our interactions are landing on people so that we're feeling. Truly connected. So that goes back to the first word we started with, Sue. Is let's let's be aware of how we can promote connection with each other.
1: I love that. I love that. I'm going to work on that this week.
0: Sounds good.
1: Thank you so much, Allison, for um, being here. I
0: really, really appreciate it. Sue, it's totally my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to to be here and to spend some time with you and talk about a subject that we both love and has such impact out there in the world. So thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
1: Okay, Construction Nation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust. Will you do me a favor? If you think this episode can help anyone on your team or business, please forward it to them. Please subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And your honest review, hopefully five stars, is much appreciated. Every leader who learns how to build their business and projects on a foundation of trust is going to reap the rewards of greater productivity, attracting the best of the best, enjoying your business more, and doing things you thought were impossible. If you want to know where you are in your trusted leader journey, I have a free resource for you. Please just go to sudico.com profile, s dot profile. And you can grab it there and find out where you are on your trusted leader journey. And so that is a wrap for today. Can't wait until I get a chance to hang out with you again next week. And until then, have a great day.